You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, and welcome to this episode of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. I'm Chrissy Beltran, your host. Today we are talking about something that is so important for coaches, especially right now. We are, many of us, moving into an online, virtual sort of coaching world, and a lot of us haven't done that before. That was not the way that we operated. We were on a campus. We were able to pop in and work with teachers and do coaching cycles in person, visiting classrooms, setting up co-teaching, and doing all these awesome things. And now we're looking at a completely different model because we're moving from an in-person model to a virtual model. And a lot of us are left wondering, okay, so what is this even going to look like? Last spring, I spent a lot of time doing survival coaching is what I'm guessing. Um, just helping teachers stay afloat, getting them the materials they needed, helping them find the websites that would do their, their, uh, that they could use for their lessons. And then, and really just kind of, kind of supporting them enough to get them through the year. But this year, if this is the way it's going to be for a while, we really have to change our focus and work on supporting teachers and growing them through coaching cycles, even though we're, we're teaching virtually and we're coaching virtually. So because of that, my guest today is uh, Stephanie Afanito, and she is um, going to share with us about coaching cycles in a way that's going to support your coaching work. So I'm here with Stephanie Afanito today. Thank you so much for being here with us, Stephanie. I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for asking me to join today. Well, you have so much to offer our coaches, so I'm really excited to get started. Uh, can you tell us about your journey through education and what you're working on now, and then introduce us to any interesting bits that we'd like to know along the way? Sure, sure. So I am a literacy teacher educator at the University of Albany in upstate New York. And so most of my work revolves around working with teachers who are fairly new to the profession and are coming back to get their literacy certification to become literacy specialists and for some of them, ultimately, literacy coaches. So I spend a lot of time in that role, but I'm also a literacy coach and a literacy consultant for many local school districts. And I also offer teachers and coaches virtual coaching online. So the very first whisper of literacy coaching kind of calling to me was actually way back in my first year of teaching. I was teaching fourth grade and we had a gifted and talented program at my school where the gifted and talented teacher would work with students regularly but also about once every six weeks she would meet with us, our grade level team, and give us new ideas and new tips and tricks for kind of elevating our instruction for all students. And I was hooked. That was for me such an energizing time. You know, I got new ideas for my work. I always left there ready and raring to go. And I realized this, this, this is what I wanna do. This is who I want to be, except I wanted to be that person who was looking out for our most vulnerable learners, the ones who needed us most, who maybe didn't experience school as positively as others. And so that's kind of what propelled me into my master's and then ultimately 
all the way up to my PhD, where I was really investigating what, what is this coaching role now that I have a name for it? What do they do? Why do they do it? And is it effective? And as part of my research, I found, and I'm sure many coaches can relate, that the coaching position is one that's very responsive to the teachers we work with and the students who are in front of them, which means it shifts and changes often. Um, and my research showed that coaching positions are particularly susceptible to shifts and changes over time that may actually take them away from teaching and learning and the original vision of the position. And so my passion became, how do I support those teachers who are supporting others? How do I support the coach? Who supports the coach? What kinds of supports do they need? And that kind of became my, my miniature passion. All these people are leading the learning of others, but who's helping them? Who's keeping their cup full? Who's pushing them along in their own learning? And so that's kind of how I got on this journey to where I am now, still working with teachers, still working with students, but a special love for working with and alongside coaches especially with technology and digital tools to help do this work, um, especially today. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that is perfect for us today because that exactly is what we need to know. Yes. <laughs> yes. You took me back whenever you were talking about being a new fourth grade teacher and working with your literacy coach, because I had a similar experience. I started out as a fourth grade teacher and fourth graders are the best. They're my favorite grades still. Mm -hmm. And then I had a literacy coach who had um, recently given a lot of Eli training or early literacy initiatives training. And so she sort of took it and, and adjusted it for fourth grade. And we met uh, once a month, and we would go through all kinds of things. That's where I learned guided reading. It's where I learned the difference between, you know, shared reading and a read aloud. All of those basics, you know, I learned that year, and it was so. I mean, I still that knowledge I still carry with me now, and I feel like that's the way I really got my start. So literacy coaches can make such an impact on their teachers because if they really teach in those best practices, then that stuff doesn't change, and that's so important. So one question I've been getting a lot lately is. Last year, we were introduced to emergency teaching online very suddenly, right? We didn't have a plan for it. Um, everybody just kind of was thrown into it. And so instructional coaches were helping teachers hang on and get through the year and give their kids some kind of virtual learning experience. But this year, we're changing things because we're entering the year, maybe not with a... Every district looks different, so it's hard to generalize, but we might not know for certain that we're going to be virtual for the whole first semester, but I have a feeling most of us are going to be virtual for the whole first semester, yeah. whether we start out that way or not, right? So how do we move to a more instructional coaching support role rather than just like a, we were like a lifesaver support before, um, without overwhelming teachers, because they have so much on their plate right now, we don't want to dump things on them. So what can we do to actually be supportive? Yeah, I completely agree. We were in a very reactive place in the spring, and now, as best as we can, we're moving forward with a more proactive approach. Right. And even though there are things that we don't know and there's a whole lot of uncertainty, I like to think about the things that we can control. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, you know, thinking about that helps not only teachers – think about what coaching will look like and how it can help, but it helps coaches think through the 
different possibilities for no matter what happens, whether I'm remote, whether I'm hybrid, whether I'm virtual, there's something that I can do in a proactive way to be prepared, whatever that situation is. So I actually created um, just a very loose roadmap um, for coaches. I worked last week, I had the fortunate, fortunate pleasure of working with a group of coaches in a think tank I created, very aptly named Coaching Through COVID, uh, where we got together and just talked and thought together about what coaching could and should look like in the fall. And as part of that work, it is introducing teachers to a new way of coaching in a time that's very stressful for everybody. So it is a very, we have to be careful that we're not overwhelming um, mm -hmm. rather than supporting. So I actually recommend that coaches first start by thinking about their vision for the year. Like how might my work shift in terms of coaching in the fall? And just list all those possibilities. What if we're remote? What if we're hybrid? What if we're virtual? What, what could happen and how could my work look differently? Because then you've kind of laid out all the possibilities and you can think, okay, I got this. No matter which one it is, I've got some possibilities. I've got a plan. And then I recommend that they take that vision and they turn it into something tangible that they could share with teachers. Maybe it's a coaching menu. Maybe it's a choice board. Maybe it's just a list in Google Docs that says, no matter happens and here are the possibilities here's how I can help as a coach and really launch the year off with that kind of document that helps you keep your vision true of what coaching is and could be and gives teachers a starting point for how they might work with you in the fall and from there you know then I recommend things like getting yourself organized right your desktops your lives your space at home um, so that you can really better support teachers in their digital world as well. And then, you know, something to just welcome teachers back. Like, here we are. Focus on those relationships, which all coaches know is so important always, but now is incredibly important now that we just can't have those quick little hallway conversations. And then find entry points for shared learning together. How might we team up on topics that we wish for? and topics that we want and need to best support students. And take those really small entry points and as coaches do, figure out where to help, right? So figure out what teachers might need next, whether it's a resource, a helpful hand on a Google Hangout to help manage technology, um, an idea or just an ear to listen when something didn't go well um, that might launch a coaching cycle that way. So it's kind of an ease in reminding teachers that here are all the things I could do, even if our world is completely upside down, so that teachers have an idea of what to expect and then slowly build those relationships so that teachers are comfortable taking advantage of that support in this very new time frame we are in. <laughs> yes. I think that is, that is such great advice, and I agree with that so much. I recently created a resource for uh, coaches called the Virtual Coaching Startup Kit, and it's in my TPT store, actually, and it follows a very similar uh, sequence, because I agree, we have to analyze what do we already know about coaching that we can sort of apply to this 
different, these different situations. We already know a lot. We're not starting with nothing. And I think that the first thing people do in these crisis situations, and I totally get it because we're all overwhelmed, is they go, oh my gosh, I don't know anything about this. But we can still, we can think, what do I already know and how can I transition that into yes. coaching? So yes, I think that's a great starting point. And then sharing it with teachers and building relationships, it's going to be so important, especially with new teachers or teachers who haven't really enlisted your support before this year, that's going to be a, mm -hmm. a special challenge. Um, but even with teachers who you've worked with before, because if you haven't coached, coached them virtually before, they might not know what you have to offer. You're barely figuring out what you have to offer, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> How are they going to figure that out? <laughs> they might have some ideas though. So it's not a bad idea to get some feedback from them um, and see if they have some suggestions. But yeah, definitely being really explicit and purposeful in, in that relationship building with teachers is so important. Yes, absolutely. So can you define coaching cycle for my listeners so they know that the framework, they understand the framework that you're using for coaching cycles? Sure. Sure. I kind of take a pretty broad approach to what a coaching cycle is. And for me, I just define it as an intense collaboration, right, between a coach and a teacher around a shared goal. And so that coaching cycle can look like many different things. I tend to have two kinds of coaching cycles. One is a classroom coaching cycle, that more typical cycle where you're actually in the classroom teaching, modeling, demonstrating things for classroom teachers. So the cycle is actually really embedded into classroom instruction. But there's also another kind of coaching cycle that I like, especially for this virtual time when it might not be possible to actually be in a classroom together and that's a content coaching cycle. So it's still an intense collaboration between a, a teacher and a coach around a shared goal, but you might not actually teach in the classroom. You might read articles together instead or watch videos of instruction, look at webinars and figure out how you might apply that to your own teaching so that there's different entry points for teachers who might be hesitant to start a classroom coaching cycle, especially now when they're probably unsure about their virtual instruction and aren't sure they want to let someone in to take a look at how it's going. Um, and then the content coaching cycle can be a nice entry point for more sustained work later on. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I like that. Um, like kind of like really digging deep into to one idea together so they feel prepared before you start doing some classroom work maybe. Yeah. So what are the steps in a virtual coaching cycle? If you were to do like a virtual coaching cycle with classroom work involved in it, what would that look like? So for me, a virtual coaching cycle is pretty much the same kind of cycle in person. We've just shifted the how. Mm -hmm. So you still have, um, you know, first you need an invitation. You need a connection with a teacher and a willingness to team up for a coaching cycle but then the steps are the same. You have some sort of pre-coaching conversation, which leads to the actual classroom coaching, or maybe it's content coaching. And then you follow up with a reflective conversation as well. So it's really just the medium for those things that have changed. So instead of meeting in person, you know, at the kidney shaped table in the back of the classroom, you're meeting through Zoom or you're doing a hangout to talk about things, or my favorite, which is Voxer. You're talking asynchronously on your own time when it works for you, back and forth to figure out what your cycle might look like. Mm -hmm. Then when it comes time for the classroom coaching piece, 
instead of being in the classroom, maybe you're hopping on to the teacher's virtual instruction and you're either observing or co-teaching or modeling in a virtual space the same way that you might live in a classroom. But in some cases, it may be where you're not there live, but instead the teacher's recording his or her instruction. It might send a video clip to take a look at. The pieces that he or she is comfortable sharing at that point and wants feedback on or is inviting you to come in and model something in an on-demand sort of way rather than a sort of way. And then the cycle finishes up with the same kind of reflective conversation, except maybe it's through Zoom, maybe it's through Boxer, and maybe, which is one way that I often launch the conversations, it's through a Google Doc. So we've got a shared kind of vision or a shared lesson plan that we're working through together. We really take advantage of that commenting feature. And we have printed discussions back and forth that could then launch something in person or maybe on video later on. So the steps are the same. It's just the how. How there yeah. shifts slightly. I like the Voxer suggestion. And if anybody hasn't used Voxer, I don't know how many capabilities it has, but I know the way I've used it is just to send um, audio messages to whoever you're talking to. So you can have kind of this ongoing conversation and it's actually you talking. It's a little clip of you talking instead of um, texting, you know, or typing a million things. Uh, you can just record yourself and then send it and then the person can listen to it when they're available and then they send one back to you. So it kind of feels like a really long, <laughs> spread yes. out conversation. <laughs> so yes. it's yeah. a good idea to use it in that way. I like that. Yeah, I love to set up conversations where individual teachers and I can talk back and forth through coaching cycles. Mm -hmm. But Zoom, I'm sorry, not Zoom, Voxer also gives you the option of creating groups. And so I have Vox groups for grade level teams or teachers who are doing a book study on Voxer and we continue the conversations that way too. I like that. That's a great idea. There's something different about hearing somebody's voice rather than just seeing, you know, a little message typed out. That's great. Absolutely. So how do you actually get people enrolled in coaching cycles, if, especially if you haven't uh, been working face-to-face -face this year? What are people going to do to get that? You mentioned an invitation or some kind of connection. What can that look like? Yeah. So it's funny because I was just talking with a couple of coaches who are new to their coaching position. They've been a coach, but they're switching buildings for the mm -hmm. fall. So not only are they doing virtual coaching, but they're virtually coaching teachers who they have actually never met in person, which brings another level of challenge on it. But I think the same way you enter a coaching cycle in person can be the same way you enter one virtually. You know, you've got some teachers who want the cycle and they reach out to you because they want to try something or they have a question about something. Then you also have the coaching cycles where the student data is leading the way and it's showing us that we could connect with the teacher around a particular topic to help those students in front of him or her. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes we have those cycles where they're must-dos, where schools have certain requirements about working with a coach or going through coaching cycles. I think regardless of how you get paired together for a cycle, I like to think of three different things that help me to connect with teachers, especially if we're doing this remotely or virtually. And the first one you already mentioned, which is having some sort of connection. I like digital invitations. We are inundated with emails and more emails and more emails during this time. 
And so I like to actually create a simple invitation using Google Slides or my other favorite tool, which is Canva, and creating something that's visually appealing that invites them either to a meeting, to a, a Zoom session, or even just inviting them to a coaching cycle where it's more visually pleasing. They're going to stop in their email. They're going to realize that we took the time to create something a little bit more special than just sending that general email that helps teachers feel connected to us, even, even from afar. So I think that's one really great way to launch a more personalized connection for a coaching cycle. But I think we need to get input from the teachers. We need to ask them, what do they want? We need to survey them, even with a very simple kind of Google form, so that we know what they want. And we can offer those kinds of invitations, very specific to their wishes and their wants, so they know this coaching cycle, it's going to be helpful to me right now. And right now is when I need help the most. Um, I think, too, another invitational point is to start with that content coaching cycle that I mentioned. It's, it's less scary than mm -hmm. jumping into a virtual coaching cycle and having someone watch your instruction via the internet that is still probably new and feels a little bit shaky. Mm -hmm. And offering to team up around a topic instead first could then lead into a later coaching cycle where they feel more comfortable doing this kind of work with you, especially if you're remotely coaching or if you're working with teachers that you just haven't met in person. Right. So those are kind of my top three things I like to think about. Yes, I love that. I like the invitation for sure. And I, I agree, seeing something different in your inbox will definitely, um, it does make you think twice instead of just scrolling through and scrolling through <laughs> all of your millions of emails that you get, especially right now when everything is done via email. Um, yes. That's beautiful. And yeah, starting with a low level, I don't want to say a low level of support, but maybe a, a more entry level of support that isn't so stressful um, and doesn't really put anybody on the spot is a great idea because it's going to it's going to help people feel more confident in accepting that support. I know that's something you can do without being afraid is learn something new, right? right. Um, that, that's right. a great way to get started. And then you could always say, well, you can move them on and say, hey, now that we've learned about this thing, do you want to try it out? And then we can try it out in a coaching cycle that's more of the classroom work cycle and continue right. moving forward. That's awesome. So what are some things we can do to get new teachers? You mentioned teachers that we haven't met in person or worked before. Mm -hmm with before. So new teachers really aren't, are not familiar with coaching at all necessarily. They may have had a coach as a student teacher. Um, they may have had a great mentor, you know, as a mm -hmm. student teacher, um, but they probably haven't really been experienced in, in coaching really. And so just even understanding what your role is can be overwhelming. And I think a lot of people make these generalizations about new teachers that, oh, they love the support and they love the help. And many do, but not all are excited <laughs> to have someone in their room. <laughs> So, right. uh, so what can we do to get specifically new teachers enrolled in coaching cycles? Well, I think it all goes back to the vision that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Um, in order for teachers to understand what coaching is and could be and how it could help, you have to have a clearly defined role. What is it that a coach does in your building? What are those possibilities that could invite teachers into some kind of coaching cycle or just better connect with you. So I think starting with that overall vision and getting that vision written down. My, my research showed that 
schools that had a tangible vision or all the stakeholders knew it, their mm -hmm. positions were less susceptible to that fragmenting, shifting and changing. And so if there is some sort of document that shows this is what a coach could do, especially for those that are new, who don't understand what coaching could be. And mm -hmm. here's interesting of all of the different ways that I could support you in your classroom right now, I think that's the first step in welcoming new teachers into a coaching cycle by just informing them yes. of great possibilities for coaching. And, and once you've done that, you're, you follow up with maybe you have, um, you know, some sort of office hours on Zoom where after you've sent an email, you know, a pretty invitation with that coaching menu, they could pop in and ask questions or follow up with a, a specific email or even connecting on Voxer. Did you get a chance to see all the different ways I could support you? What's the first thing you think you need right now and how could I help? Making those invitations really clear and then reminding yourself to follow up, right? And then follow up again on which, which aspect might be most helpful for them. Mm -hmm. It's a way to help introduce new teachers into what this coaching thing might actually look like for them. Right. Yeah, I like that, giving them some choice and flexibility. Um, that's why I like the idea of a menu or a slideshow or something that shows them options and then they can pull one uh, that really matches what they need. That's great. So these are all like really great tips for actually conducting a coaching cycle and for, you know, getting teachers in there. What are some challenges to actually conducting that coaching cycle online that we might see? Well, I think one of the first challenges is the technology, <laughs> making sure that teachers and coaches are comfortable with the tools. Like we've all been immersed in technology over the last couple of months, but making sure that teachers Feel comfortable with whatever you're using. If you're meeting through Zoom, if you're going to give Voxer a try. So thinking about what tech tools you'll use in your coaching. And this isn't the time to introduce new tools just because you found something or it looks shiny and it might be helpful. This is the time to inventory the technology that you already use, already have command of and your teachers are comfortable with. And then think about, is there a way to use that to support my coaching cycles so that we're not adding anything new to teachers plates just like we likely wouldn't introduce very many new tools to students you know during this when they're working at home as well um, i think another challenge is the organizational aspect of it right we're now all by ourselves in isolation working from home and we have so many new digital tools documents, drives, emails, links, websites, all of these things that we now have to keep track of in ways that we might not have had to before. So coming up with some sort of organizational system of how your docs, your drive, your desktop, how your digital space is organized, I think is a challenge for many when we're first starting out. And on the teacher side, it's a little bit of fear and hesitation, right? Mm -hmm. What this new virtual teaching world and now a coach wants to come watch me do it already wants to team up in coaching cycles I'm just trying to teach my kids let alone push my own learning forward so kind of getting over that initial frustration that initial hesitancy of okay going from reactive to proactive and that's a challenge that you can only um, tackle with time and practice and and kind of working 
through that. But, you know, all things that potentially we could solve with a little bit of think tanking and some experience. Uh, but I would say those are probably the top three challenges that I've seen in working with coaches over the past couple of months. Yeah, those are great. Those are really good to keep in mind because um, it, it can be overwhelming. Even just starting something new, like, you know, back in, in April, I was like, you know, I really need to get a handle on Google Classroom. And I don't, I'm not working with, I was not working with teachers at the time. I do have um, teachers that I work with at schools as a consultant, you know, coming from the outside and coaching and providing workshops. But I wasn't at the time because the schools that I was working with, you know, were shut down. <laughs> so, so they weren't having anybody come in from the outside or they were just trying to survive and keep afloat. And so I was like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tackle Google Classroom. I'm going to play with it. I'm going to set up a classroom. My brother, with my brother, one of my brothers was like, just put me in there and you can try me out because he uses it for his work. So he's like, you could try me out. I'll tell you what it looks like from my side. We can check everything and make sure all the stuff that you're creating is actually functional. And so that was nice. And I got to play with it for a while. And so I think, you know, that technology challenge is kind of just get in there and try it out with somebody and somebody who's going to be patient yeah. and not get frustrated when it doesn't work and just see what happens. <laughs> right. And it puts you in the shoes of a learner too, of what your teachers right. might be feeling at that moment, which helps give you perspective for your coaching too. Absolutely. Empathy is always good <laughs> for coaches. Yes. But what kind of technology is really helpful for doing this work? I have a few favorites. Okay. Um, I think my top go-to is anything Google. Mm -hmm. I, really rely on interactive Google documents so that we can have conversations in the comments on the side if we're lesson planning or creating instructional materials together. Most of my professional development is done in Google Slides so that it's easily shareable with teachers and can be uploaded easily to a Google site on what I like to call a launching pad of all things digital for what teachers will need to work with me. Yes. So it's definitely at the top of my list, but next comes Voxer because that is my go-to tool for having coaching conversations and even group conversations with teachers. It's easy to use, it's free, right? There is a paid version, but I haven't really had to use it yet. Um, and so that's a way to keep connected with teachers, not just an email, but like you said, using your voice, which helps you remain a bit more connected. Mm -hmm. My third one that I'm really going to lately is Canva. Because I love those digital invitations and I, I need better ways to engage teachers in virtual PD so they stay with me on the screen and yeah. too overwhelmed by all the other tabs and tasks uh, competing for their attention. So using Canva to really design professional development, design invitations has been um, something that I've tried to focus more on. Mm -hmm. But if you're really doing classroom coaching cycles, um, you definitely need comfort and familiarity with whatever your live learning platform is, whether you're using Zoom, whether you're using Hangout, how do you do recording on both of those platforms, how might you take a screencast and be able to share it with teachers. And for those that are choosing instead of synchronous coaching cycles, and they're doing asynchronous coaching cycles where teachers are recording themselves teach and send it to you, you would need some sort of private protected platform to send mm -hmm. videos back and forth so that teachers feel completely comfortable that this still is a collegial coaching experience right. and that no one else is going to see those videos as well. Right. Yeah, I've used um, like Dropbox 
or Google Drive is a good place to share those files. Yeah. So, okay, this is so much great information. And I just want, if coaches can only walk away with one thing from this episode, if they only, if one thing sticks in their brain, what should it be? That's a big question. <laughs> I think, though, my, my top hope for their takeaway from the session would be to hang on what you hold true for coaching. What is your overall vision for what that coaching role is and could be to best support teachers? And hang on to it. Don't change it simply because we are learning remotely or virtually. Think about how to preserve that overall vision of what matters most for you and your teachers, and then use technology and digital tools as a way to shift how you accomplish it. Yes. So that you're staying true to what matters most, but you're just shifting slightly the way that you accomplish that so that you and your teachers are still in charge of the coaching and not the other way around with the technology and the digital tools. Beautiful, yes, I love that. How can people find you online and learn more about this? They can find me at my website, which has pretty much everything I, I'm working on, um, which is stephanieaffinito.com. Really simple. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot using uh, Affinito Lit, short for literacy. Um, I am on Instagram, although I need to get better at figuring out how to better interact and engage on there. But I'm also on Instagram using that same Affinito Lit. And I'm on Facebook at Stephanie Affinito as well. And for those that want to give Voxer a try or want to connect there, same username, Affinito Lit on Voxer as well. Cool. And then you also mentioned that you have a new podcast coming out. I do. I have a very <laughs> tiny, what I like to call microburst of a podcast. So I have a website called The Coaching Sketch Notebook. Mm -hmm. It's coachingsketchnotebook.com. And it's basically a digital version of my coaching notebook. It's got over 80 different tips, tricks, tools, protocols, and ideas for coaching, both in person and online. And so I've taken that website, which every week I post a new tool to the, the website, kind of blog style, but I've taken each of those posts and I've turned them into a very small, under 10 minutes or less, um, tip for the week. So every Monday, a new coaching idea, a new protocol, a new something for coaches um, launches on the podcast in under 10 minutes or less so that everybody has time, no matter their commute or their walk outside as they're trying to get out of their house, um, they'll have something new that they could take a look at each week. That's awesome. Yeah, microbursts are probably great for a lot of people because we are, we are very, we're not driving. I mean, I'm not driving anywhere. I used to listen to so many podcasts. Now I just listen to them while Me I watch too. Them. Yeah. Yes, I know. Or fold the laundry. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Stephanie. I know this is going to be so helpful to coaches as they try to navigate this crazy year. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I loved chatting virtual coaching today. <laughs> So coaches, I just wanted to mention that virtual coaching startup kit. You can find that in my TPT store, and that is Chrissy Beltran, Buzzing with Miss B. That virtual coaching startup kit includes so many of the resources that we talked about today, including Google Forms to get input from teachers, Google Slides for invitations, and for a really cool activity that you can use to find out what teachers' um, experiences with coaching are. 
It has images that you can use in another secure site. If you are not a Google person, you can take those slides and put them into whatever service you usually use, as long as it's a secure thing that you're sharing with teachers only. And it also includes the startup guide that is the, the six steps you want to take to start virtually coaching. So I really hope that this is a valuable resource to you. I worked really hard on it because um, coaches, I know you're, you're just trying to to figure things out on your own and this is a really stressful time and there's really not that much out there about virtual coaching. So uh, get the kit and it will get you started. Happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.